Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. Here, we dive into topics that reach far beyond the salon. I'm your host, Misty Jane. I'm a life and money coach for stylists who are obsessed with personal growth. I help you enhance your mindset around money, build a business that lights you up, and create a life of peace. Me and my guests are on a mission to normalize the wealthy stylist while creating a safe space to be perfectly imperfect. Wanna join me? then you're in the right place. Hello there, friends. Welcome back. Today I'm chatting with Jody, and let me tell you right now, this conversation is a good one. Do you even realize how much your financial limiting beliefs, your you know thoughts about money, all of the things are trickling down into the next generation, whether it's your children or the children around you or just really anyone around you. So we're going deep into how to break those generational curses or generational financial cycles um, because they can be broken. This is such a great conversation and it's such an important one that I hope you continue to have it outside of listening to this podcast. If you find it just as impactful as we did, please share it, send it to a friend, share it on social media, give us a tag, um, either Missy Jane, I'm Jody Brown, or the Cash Confident Stylist, and spread the word because it's an important one, friends. Enjoy. Hello, my friend Jody Brown. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Okay. Today's topic is probably, I would say, one of the most important topics that I've talked about in a long time, Um, and I'm excited to chat with you about it. So we both have um, children that are very similar in age, and I talk a lot about your money stories and, you know, the limiting beliefs around money that you have in your brain that are things that we don't necessarily control. Like a lot of this has kind of been built on um, when we were very young, like we didn't really like have control over some of the subconscious thoughts that we have going on. And I want to talk about that a little bit today on how people can kind of bring up the next generation without this limiting belief around money or scarcity mindset, which we're going to talk about a little bit further as well. Do you see this in your life in any way? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think the interesting thing too, and something that you and I have talked about is like, it is very much not a one and done situation. Like I think with subconscious beliefs, and this is something I've learned about myself and just learned over my personal development journey is like, it definitely creeps in sometimes when you're not really expecting it. And so I noticed this, like even other people that I know, like other, and I, I think from kids, it's so interesting because kids have a lot less of a filter about things, right? So you kind of get to hear their honest thoughts. And I think raising, raising my son, I've had to work through because I, I really am conscious. And I know you and I both talked about this, like, and of course, whenever I have these like thoughts, I come to you to chat because this is your world. Like this is your, your genius. And I think it's like interesting when you hear from your, from your kids and from even from other kids in my life, um, money beliefs like reflected back to you. You know what I mean? So it's something I've wanted to be really intentional about raising my son and especially like he's nine now. Mm -hmm. And so I started really, really healing like and my personal development journey when he was still really little. And so like, like really little, like, you know, little enough that he probably isn't internalizing anything yet really. Right. (laughs) Um, And so it's been really interesting to watch. Like I've been very conscious um, and not that I'm perfect, but I've tried really hard. It's been something I've been really aware of. And then comparing to like other kids that Mason like interacts with and hangs out with and all of these things um, who it's very clear have these really set beliefs about the way things are. And I'm using quotes, right? So um, even things like coming from like, eight, 10 year old children saying things like, oh, like groceries are too expensive. And like, you know, things like, or, oh, I would love to do that, but it's, it's too expensive. So I'll never be able to like, you know what I mean? Or like have like a grasp of like the value of money yet, but they're just like marrying back what they're, they've heard from their There's parents. not enough. Exactly. Exactly. And it's this not enoughness, like, um, even things like, oh, I better like, like, you know, when you like ask little kids, you're like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing? Well, I I think I need to be something like a dentist or whatever so that I can afford the cost of living. Like I've literally heard this come out of a 10 year old child. And so it's really interesting to me, like how much projection and I'm sure unintentional because like, had I, you know, had you and I not started our personal development when our kids were younger earlier, it'd probably be the same thing because that's what we do, right? Like we repeat cycles until we understand them and break them. And so, yeah, that's kind of my, what I've seen, my, the thing that sparked me to come to you with this conversation actually. Well, it's super interesting because I I think that we don't realize, especially as parents, and this is something that I've learned very recently is that our outer dialogue becomes our kids' inner dialogue. So, Mm -hmm. and this can go for so many things in life, but we're going to, of course, use it around money. And it's going to like, like just the, the things that we say that they take on and then they start, you know, holding in their brain, you know, as their, what's going to be their thoughts later in life, right? They're like ingrained thoughts, Um, because they're too young. They don't know that they can change that or think differently necessarily, you know, because they don't know any different. Like 
We are modeling everything to them. And I think that's why it's so important to like start paying attention to not just our thoughts, which are very important, but what we say out loud. And some things are just so they just roll off the tongue because we've heard them forever or we've said them forever. You know, um, I always say, like, I try not to say we can't afford that to my son. I try and say, it's just not a priority right now. And I still find myself wanting to say we can't afford things, but I know that like, that was my biggest thing when I, before we got out of debt is I would say that we would say that all the time. We'd drive around the neighborhood, you know, like, oh, we'll never be able to afford that. And what that does is it literally stops you from even trying because you just believe that it's not for you, period. You know, so like for example, my son wants to go to Disney World and I'm like, that's too expensive. We can't afford that. He's yeah. just going to think he can never go to Disney World because it's too expensive. You know what I mean? Like instead of, hey, it's yeah. not a priority right now. And then, you know, maybe next year, the year after we can make it a priority. You know what I mean? Like, so it it yeah. gives this like empowering side to it of like, hey, you actually get to choose what you make a priority instead of just like, nope, not an option. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's funny when you say that, because I feel like that's a lot of what happens to like looking, you know, if I zoom out on a lot of like my circle or the people, you know, like in-laws, relatives, like those kinds of things. And it's like, sometimes it's like people who make almost the exact same amount of money have vastly different like things of what's possible. Right. And a lot of it is due to, a lot of it is due to choice, but they don't perceive it as being due to choice, which is kind of interesting. Like when it, you know, when you think about things like when James and I got married, for example, like I was, I was off for, for a while or when we had Mason actually, like, let's talk about that. And then, um, he was like a second year apprentice at the time. Like he was not making a lot of money. We weren't making a lot of money. However, something that I've always done my whole life is we've always traveled. My family has always like, no matter what was going on. And my parents literally moved across the world, like from England to Canada, back and forth. And there were times where we had like very, like very little money um, growing up. And I never knew this until I was a lot older um, because my parents actually did a really great job of, of shielding us from a lot of that stuff, which is something that I'm, you know, I think doesn't happen for a lot of people. But one of the things is we always, no matter what, my parents would always prioritize going on a family vacation every year. Mm -hmm. Like that was something that always happened. So growing up, we didn't ever live in like a huge house. We didn't ever do, you know what I mean? But we always went on vacation. So when James and I got together, I was like, okay, we'll go like, it, it never even, it was like something that I was like, this is a priority to me. This will always be a priority, no matter what, like, this is something that we have to do. Right. And so just going from like his family, conversely, like, you know, um, just spend their money differently, prioritized it differently. And I, like I learned later, like, you know, my parents ended up doing quite well for themselves. His parents went through phases where they did quite well for themselves too. And it was just, the priorities were very different. And so his default is we can't afford to travel. And my mm-hmm. default is of course we can, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of interesting. And that was kind of like at the beginning of our, of our relationship, like where it kind of melded together those beliefs. So 
it's kind of funny when you think about all the different ways that we communicate about things and how it's not always, and I know you always say this, it's not always about how much money you have, but it's about like what you prioritize and what you, and to an extent, not even what you like consciously prioritize, what you subconsciously believe you can even have. Yes. That I think that is the biggest thing. I had a situation recently where I, we had the opportunity to put a large amount of money down on a new car and, um, we were getting this check and I went back and we, it was specifically for a vehicle and I went back and forth in my brain, like, well, maybe we should just put some towards this and just get a crappier car. And like, maybe we should, you know what I mean? Like I went back and forth in my head and I'm like, finally I went, Missy, why, why are you doing this? Why? Like, this yeah. is what this is for. We get to get the car we want. What are, what, why are you acting like this? And I really had to like dive deep into why was I so uncomfortable? Because we forget how much we feel that discomfort in our body. So it literally mm-hmm. feels like we're doing something wrong. Like your heart's beating fast. You're getting anxious, like sweaty palms. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're literally feeling this fear. Like it's real yeah. fear. It's not just like made up fear, you know, in your brain. And, um, and then all of a sudden it hit me my whole life. Every time someone handed me money, don't spend it all in one place. Mm. And I just like was driving home in my mind, just in my head going, don't spend it all in one place. That's what it is. That's what it was. And I came home right. and I looked at my husband and I said, let's go get that car because yeah. I decided I don't want that to be my story anymore. And that's the thing is we have to tap into how we're feeling about certain things when it comes to money, figure out kind of why we're thinking about it and then change it. Right. And it's not always comfortable to change it, but if you continue to kind of change it in the direction you're looking for, it starts to become comfortable, right? And I think that, that makes sense, yeah. That, and again, that line was something I've heard. I still hear it. My grandpa yeah. always gives us a check every Christmas, say it, he'll say it every time. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it, it, we don't even realize, like if I said that to Declan every time I handed him a dollar or whatever, like yeah. he would, when he gets older, don't spend it all in one place. Don't, yeah. you know, like what? We got to stop. We got to think yeah. about the impact of what we're saying, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's why I think it comes up so much when you're, you know, when you're a parent, because like we pay so much attention to what our kids say, right? But and we don't like, pay enough about what we say. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's, it's like, you don't notice it when it's going on in your, in your inner monologue, but when you hear it come out of like your eight-year-old, you're like, oh, yep, <laughs> or, exactly. you know, when you hear it come out of like another kid or like, you know, their friends or whatever, like, I feel like we're just like hyper aware. And so it kind of makes us think a lot more. Yep. Yes. It's very, it's, it's very, very fascinating. I, and I want to talk about scarcity. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, but, you know, so many of us have been ingrained with that scarcity mindset that I can't afford it. We can't afford that. Don't spend it all in one place. Uh, you know, all, all of these lines, money doesn't grow on yeah. trees. You can only work hard. You know, you only have to work super hard if you want to be rich, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, people hear scarcity and abundance and and they do, they, they think, oh, that's not real. What does that mean? That's, you know, yeah. but really it's this idea that there's never going to be enough yeah. and you could literally be a millionaire and still feel like it's not enough. Absolutely. I mean, there are, you know, that's 
Absolutely what happens, isn't it? There's this whole, you know, one of the most impactful lines that I ever read, I was reading this book. I can't remember which one it was, but it was like, one of the things was we are so brought up to believe that we have to choose all the time. And I think this is where a lot of scarcity comes from, right? It's like, you can either like have a good job or enjoy your life. You can either go on vacation or do something else. And it's like, comes from this place of like, we don't truly believe that there can be enough for all of the things that we desire because somewhere along the line, we've been brought up to think that like wanting more is greedy or, and and this is like, I'm not saying brought up as in like our families. Like, I think this is something that's kind of like a, like maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's like a, you know what I mean? Like, I think every generation has their, their shit that they need to unpack, but it's kind of interesting when you think about it, like if we are always putting ourselves in this either or category, like no wonder we feel like there's, it's going to run out. Like we don't think we can have all of the experiences that we want or, and we think we have to choose between one or the other, like either we can, you know, have a successful business or enjoy life. Like, and it, I think that's kind of where a lot of the scarcity comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I notice all the time now, like when you're having conversations that it's like, oh, this is really pervasive when it comes to the scarcity conversation. Well, and, you know, and, and is a powerful word, you know, that that's, yes. you can have both. Like it can be, I'm going to, you know, be peaceful and happy and make a lot of money. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I'm glad that you said it doesn't always have to come from family. Um, because I, my husband and I like to rewatch a lot of older shows from when we were younger. That's fascinating. You want to really like, like wonder where your limiting beliefs and mindset stuff comes from. Watch what you grew up watching. Like we watched, uh, what national lampoons Christmas, whatever. Yes. The one we were talking about. Yes. So I actually did not grow up watching that a ton, but my husband did. And we watched it this year and I was like, this is really sad. (laughs) Like if you've never seen it, it's this man that puts a deposit down on a pool because he thinks that he's getting this big bonus and he's like trying to make Christmas all magical. Well, of course the evil rich man, his boss doesn't give him a big bonus. He gives him like a gift certificate for something like, and it was just like this, like, no wonder, like this scarcity mindset is so rampant. Like, because like, I mean, I grew up watching married with children. I mean, married with children was very much like a, we don't have a lot of money. And like, you know, like it, and it's just so fascinating. The music we listen to, like, I think a lot about like country music, right? Like country music has this kind of undertone of like, you don't need a lot and rich is bad. And like, you know what I mean? Right. Interesting. It's just fascinating when you really start um, paying attention. And I think that's what this whole conversation is really about is like being aware of one, what you're consuming, you know, two, what you're saying and what you're thinking, because it, it literally has this trickle down effect, um, yeah. not just to your generations, but to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? It's like, we like all of these projections, our stories came from somewhere. Right. And this is like, this is why actually, cause like, this is actually why I was like, Oh, I wanted to like talk to Misty about this because you like 
our stories come from somewhere. And like, when I start to notice it in the world around me, I become like, how do I make sure <laughs> that I'm not putting any of the other things? Cause it's like, you know, that phrase, like new level, new devil. Like, yeah. I think we're always like unpeeling things and unpacking things and like getting, you know, we're putting some of our, we're working through some of our limiting beliefs, but I also don't think it's one and done. Right. So sometimes things will come up and instances will happen where it's like, it, you revert to your default sometimes. And so that's kind of where it's like, is there like, do you ever stop going to that default? Do you like, how do you, how do you get really conscious of like not passing on some of those limiting beliefs and, and that baggage around money to the people around you? Like, where do you even start with that? Yeah. I mean, I think being conscious of it is, is number one, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we have to look back just to kind of see where some of these stories have come from. So not necessarily in a way of like, oh my gosh, like blame everything on our parents, but like, you yeah. know, your parents got their stories from their childhood. Like from the age of zero to seven, we don't get to decide what's being put into our brain. Like yeah. it's, and, and it is getting ingrained in there and then it just piles up. So like, yeah. we, you know, all of our experiences turn into filters on the way that we see things, yeah. you know? And so we, once we realize where it comes from and realize it's not necessarily our story to take, we have to start attaching more positive things to that same story. So for example, that, that check and getting the truck, I had to attach an empowerment aspect to that story of you can't spend it all in one place right. so that now in the future, that is going to be a lot easier for me to spend it all in one place, especially if it was meant right. for that in the first place, yeah. you know, yeah. it's easier to take that, that fake story. That's something I've been saying a lot lately is like, we lie to ourselves in our minds all the time. That's not enough. All the time. I got it. I got to get here. You know, why don't we start lying to ourselves in a more positive way so that we get a more positive? Yeah. Outcome, you know, so I Absolutely. think you know, yeah. awareness hands down is, is number one, because you can't change anything you don't even know is a problem. <laughs> that's yeah. And that's the thing. Right. And I love that you said, like, it's not like, cause this is where I think like, whenever we talk about stories and stuff like that, like, and this actually, I think like stopped me from wanting to get into some like years ago, right. Is like, we think that personal development is just like scapegoating everything on our parents. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is like, which I'm like, no, like I have a, like my friends and people, they did like, I, you know what I mean? That was never yeah. the thing. What came up for me when I was unpacking some of my money stories and stuff like that is actually like empathy and being like, yeah, this happened. Like, and there was like, like, keep in mind, like my grandfather was like 13, 14 years old during the war. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So like that there was a lot of like, and that was a huge time of like economic upheaval, right. For like, for, I mean, in England, I'm sure in the U S like that's my family's from England. So that's why I bring it up. So there was like, you know, a lot of scarcity because like there was massive upheaval. Right. And there was not imagined scarcity, but like real, real. Scarcity, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Like food was rationed. So like, I do think that's what came up for me as I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I just, a, a lot of empathy comes up for me when I think about the fact that like, 
look at how much, how much of a cycle, and I've been very lucky. And that's something I'll say too. It's like, I, I feel like this is something in my family. I can say is very much been like a privilege is that like, I've seen like breaking of cycles every generation and there's still shit to work through. So it really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it's just kind of like interesting to think about. It doesn't necessarily like if, if you're, I mean, obviously like the conversation surrounding money, like everyone has so much emotion surrounding it. And so I feel like it's, it doesn't matter like where you came from necessarily. There's always things that you're going to need to work through with this stuff. I think. I totally agree because it is, it's like layers, right? Like, like for me, I had to first work through the fact that I even deserve to have stuff nicer than my parents. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then once I did that, and when we did that, that comes with challenges too. Like I remember, right. you know, a family member like being like, don't be house poor, like not knowing our financial yes. situation at all. Like you're still going to get, those stories are still going to come at you. So you kind of have yeah. to like be willing to go, this is now my story <laughs> and like kind of take yeah. control of your own story because everyone's perception is their own projections, period. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you have to remember that anything that somebody's telling you might not be the truth either. It's their own perception that they're looking through their own filter, you know? Yeah. So you have to be very conscious of what you need and what feels good to you and what you want and what you desire and what it takes yeah. to get to where you desire. So, and kind yeah. of let go of all of those other people and and what they say that really don't make a difference in in your yeah. life. I mean, they do, you love them, their family, whatever, right. but like, are they paying your bills? I don't think so. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I, I remember hearing a long time ago, like, don't take advice from someone you wouldn't trade lives with. And yeah. so like, if your goals are different than what someone else has, has, you know, aspired to for their life, like all of us are going to be different. All of our idea of success is going to be different. Right. So, yeah. you know, like it, for some of us, like the ultimate goal is to, you know, buy a beautiful house in a neighborhood we love and settle and stay there. For some of us, the goal is to, you know, see as much of the world as possible. For some of us, it's like, it, it it's like, there's just so many different levels to that success. And the thing is when you want something or you have a goal or you have whatever, like, and the person you're talking to just doesn't prioritize that thing. Like, it's not even necessarily about you need more money than them or you need whatever. It's just like, maybe you don't care about having a big house. Maybe you're happy to live in an apartment and travel all the time, but like, they won't see that because we're only really, unless we're really working, you know, like once you've gotten into your mindset a lot more, I think you can see more perspectives, but on base level, people can really only see from their perception of reality. And right. so if what your goal is doesn't fit into that priority of what they want and what they think is important, of course, it's going to feel ridiculous or frivolous or like, you know, there's never enough for that. Like how many times do we hear nobody can afford to travel right now? Yeah. I hear that all the time. Yeah. I know. Nobody I traveled so much last year. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, nobody can afford groceries right now. Nobody can afford this right now. Nobody can. And it's like, there's literally nothing that nobody can afford. It's just like all of these different things are different priorities to different people. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like there's so much like scarcity marketing tactics because it's yeah. like, I, I need you to feel like you don't have enough, are enough, want yeah. enough. 
yeah. so that you, so that you can buy my thing that makes you feel that way, you know, and exactly. we're, we are bombarded with that in yeah. clothing line. Like literally it is everywhere. Politics, everywhere. All of it. It's all, yeah. it's to keep us in that scarcity situation because it, you know, in a way people benefit from that fear that you keep in your mind, yeah. but who's really benefiting from it? Like not you. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think that we have to, again, we have to look at kind of what narratives we have going on and and do we want to keep them? Because you don't have to keep them. You don't have to, you know, you can just, you, you, I mean, it's not as easy as just, okay, I don't want to think this way anymore. There's steps, but you know, you don't have to be like, this is okay. Let's talk about this. Cause this is what, you know, this is just who I am. That's what people say all the time. Mm. Well, this is just who I am. So like, you know, I'll never be that person that lives in that neighborhood. That was me. I literally would drive around and yeah. go, we, we messed up. Like I will, I could never live here. Yeah. Was that true? No, because I, no. I decided one day that I didn't want that narrative. And I started doing the things towards the desire that I wanted. And now I live in that neighborhood. And it's like, yeah. I think that there's a mix of like fear of changing, you know, fear of, um, you know, when you do change, people fall off because the conversations are different, you know? And like, if you're having these a little bit more, you know, abundant financial conversations and you still have that scarcity friend conversation, that's hard. And the scarcity friend might not want to have those abundant conversations. And, you know, so there's like layers to that too, of like, you know, the financial imposter syndrome, which I've talked about before. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many layers to it, but it all starts with awareness. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Misty, it's so, I think that's such a good point too, because like when you, whenever I notice myself like falling back, like not just with money, but like with anything in terms of like, um, you know, the conversations and like personal development and stuff like that. It's because I'm not spending enough time. I'm spending too much time talking to people who I'm having to make myself small for, like, which is something I think a lot of us do is, you know, if we feel like we're maybe more successful than our friend, not, and I'm not saying like you should, but like, we feel like even if we're sharing like an accomplishment or something exciting, we have to downplay it and make it small. And keep in mind that every time we do that, I think that's happening in our minds as well. Right. So, and then not enough time having expansive conversations with people who, you know, are, are either able to be happy for us regardless, or we just, we feel like we've got those things in common with. So I do think it's like, and, and, you know, to kind of pull it back into that, like with our kids and like with our relationships and communication and things like that, like if we are clocking what we're saying externally, I think it's really important to clock. And this is something you always say, like clock what we're saying internally too, because that's what's getting reinforced. Yep. A thousand percent. Because you can say all day long, I want to be a millionaire. But if your mind is going, you're never going to be a millionaire. Guess what? That'll never happen. Guess who's right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and you have, you have to sync them both together. Um, That kind of comes back to the, if you're going to lie to yourself, you might as well lie to yourself positively, you know, because it does feel like a lie sometimes. Like that's something that I've struggled with. It's like, all right, well, you have to embody the thing that you desire. Well, if you, if you've never seen it, if you've never touched it, if you've never done it, it's very hard to embody something 
that you think you desire, but you really have no idea. Right. So it's yeah. like, that's something I've always struggled with is like, I can journal it. I can write it. I can say it, but my mind is a little like, Hmm, are we sure? You know? Yeah. And, and now it's like, okay, no, cause I'm working towards it. Period. Done. I don't need to yeah. explain it to myself anymore. Like yeah. we're working towards X, Y, and Z period, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that that to me feels better. Like it, it's, yeah. You know, this whole like, well, I have it already. Well, I don't, <laughs> like, you know, I want to be a millionaire. You know, it's saying in my mind, well, you're, you're, it's waiting for you. Like, you're, is it? I don't know. Yeah. You know, so yeah. like I'm working towards it and it will be, you know what I mean? Like, so I think yeah. finding to, to think about it in a way that feels better or even figuring out exactly what you want. Like I'm using millionaire as an example. That's not necessarily one of my goals. Like, I don't know if I really need a million dollars a year to live right. the life that I want to live. You know what I mean? So it's like, and figuring that out too, what is it that you actually do desire? Because is it that's somebody huge. else's desire or is it truly what you want? You know, in the beginning, before I started seeing real, real success in my business, um, one of the things that I used to do all the time was read autobiographies. Mm -hmm. So autobiographies and people that I looked up to, um, because I think sometimes we like decide that like, oh, people who can do the things that we want to do, people that have money, people that do all this thing are like different than us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, oh, and so, it's so easy for them. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Right. So one of the things that I used to love, like, oh my goodness, like even look at like Madam CJ Walker, like, you know, there's so many examples of people who literally came from nothing and, and ended up having wildly successful lives. Like she was our, the first female millionaire in America. And so she, like her story from like enslaved parents to what she was able to do, like, is absolutely like, nobody could look at that and say, oh, she had an easy time. And exposing myself to as many stories like that as humanly possible, really was almost like a culture shock of like, like, Oh, they okay. do some hard things. Too. Like, yeah, yeah. Like people actually worked to get this stuff. Oh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like that's the thing, right? And it shows like how fast things can change, how things fast, but also not fast. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the time, a lot of the things that you'll see is there's years and years and years and years and years and years and years of sometimes unpaid work before they even get a glimmer of hope, right? So um, I think it's really interesting to really show yourself what's possible, like, because like you said, if you want something that you don't actually believe is possible, like for me, at least exposing myself, like, oh, this is possible. Here's concrete proof. Here's other people who have done this thing um, was really one of the things that helped me a lot in the beginning before I had proof, my own proof, you know? Right. Yes. I love stuff. Like the, this girl that, um, uh, invented Spanx. Like I love her story. She was Sarah like Blakely, yeah. millions of dollars in debt to mm -hmm. like make that work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now look same with the, yeah. I just listened to a podcast of the girl who wrote the secret, same thing, yeah. millions of dollars in debt, writing that, making the movie, you know? And it's like, it makes me feel better sometimes of just like, yeah. Oh, we all like, we just didn't give up. And that, that's yeah. like, the reminder that I can, you know, consistency is everything. Yeah. 
Jamie, uh, Jamie Kerna, Jamie Lee Kerna, I think it is like, she's the founder of it cosmetics. I read her book, her first book and like the amount of times she was turned down. She literally was told to her face. Nobody will ever buy cosmetics from someone that looks like you literally to her face, literally went like traveled on her own dime to like go, you know, pitch to all these different, to pitch to QVC, to pitch to Sephora and literally turned down like dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And so, I mean, you see these people on Shark Tank who go on Shark Tank and they're pitching and like five millionaires will sit there and be like, this is a terrible idea and it will never work. And you're definitely not going to be successful. And then and, and you see saying, an ad for it on Instagram. Exactly. You're like, I think I want that. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not saying that there's never a time to take advice. Like sometimes, yeah. Okay. But the thing is that like, what, what I'm really trying to come back to is like, it's possible if you like the belief in yourself is what's possible. So when I come, when I think about from a parenting perspective, like, do I want my son to like not follow his dreams? Cause he thinks there's no point. Right. Like. That, like the idea of that, I just can't, you know what I mean? So um, why are we doing it to ourselves? Like, I think, you know. Well, and and we have to release some of our shit to be able to do that for our kids. And that's the thing, right? Like if I, 100%. you know, if I continued to, you know, feel like a creative job wasn't going to be lucrative for him. And I can't, my son is so creative, like yeah. drawing, clay model, like so many things. Yeah. And if I just kept going, uh, you need to do your schoolwork. Like, well, he doesn't do schoolwork, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm doing that. Like, you know, no, like, I don't want to give him that. Like, I want to give him, I don't know, hope that he can yeah. create the life that he wants. And it's not about money. Like I, yeah. I tried not to make it about money at all, you know, yeah. and like, Hey, you have to make sacrifices and you have to make choices, but yeah. like at the end of the day, peace I think peace is the most important, at least, you know, and, and what he decides is success is in my eyes, the most important, even if it's not really what I think of success, which is hard as a parent. (laughs) Exactly. And like you always say, like one of my favorite, like one of my favorite misty isms is like money is a tool. Is that a thing? (laughs) Let's, um, it already is a thing, Um, but it's like money is a tool, right? It's not, it's not about like, am I really how much satisfaction am I going to get of saying like like yeah maybe it'll be cool like oh like I made a million dollars in a year like yeah that that sounds great and all but like what's actually important that million dollars you make in a year because there's a lot of different ways to make a million dollars there's a lot of ways that you only end up with 50k at the end of that you know what I mean like there's there's so many different things but what's important is like am I am I living life in the way that makes me feel successful. Because if you don't focus in on that, and this is why like, you know, you've probably heard me say before too, like, I think just money is a really shitty motivator. Cause like, it's kind of shallow, right? It's like, what about like your impact, the life you want to live, like all of those things I feel like are going to give you a lot more long-term sustenance. And that's the kind of things you're going to think about and the things that you're going to want to work towards. So yeah, that's a little off topic, but my mind just no, went there. But, but I mean, that's what I do on this in this podcast. So it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's yeah, it's it's so it's so true though because 
really at the end of the day, like I, I've had so many conversations with people that tell me what they want out of their life. Right. And they're like, when mm -hmm. I get this much money up, this is what my life's going to look like that literally are living that life already. Right. But they have like attached these like stories and emotions that because their bank account doesn't look a certain way that they're not living it correctly or whatever. And like, I literally like, I remember one friend, she's like, and I want to fly first class. I was like, didn't you just fly first class? She was like, well, yeah. Okay. Then like, I'm confused, <laughs> like, you know? So I think again, though, it comes kind of down and I have been guilty of this myself. You know, I just lived yeah. an amazing year last year. And then in December, I, I found myself in a hole, you know yeah. what I mean? And so it happens, but when you have this awareness and you, and you have this, um, these tools in your toolbox, you can pull yourself out of those emotional funks because yeah. at the end of the day, that's all it is. If, if you, took, if you took your money stress, right, you took whatever's going on in your, in your life and you took the emotion away from it, what would happen? Yeah. What be. would happen? Guess what? You'd be sitting in the same chair you're sitting in right now. Yeah. You'd be listening to this podcast same way you're listening to right now. Like your your house isn't on fire. Like you're, you know what yeah. I mean? Like like yeah. we attach, we make it hard. Yeah, so true. We make it hard, and we don't have to make it hard. Yeah, and we all do it from time to time. Myself, absolutely. Included, you know, yeah, so absolutely. I never want anyone to think that. Well, I'm perfect, and I do everything perfect, and I think perfectly because it's not how this works. But you have the tools to pull yourself where you need to pull yourself and be aware when the time comes and pull your resources to get out of it. And pull it out faster, right? Way like everyone's going to have bad days, but it's like, the thing is that I find it's like, if you can just figure out how to get yourself out of that state faster, then all of a sudden it's like, cause it, it's really easy for a bad day to turn into, and whole other conversation with like mindset in general and all that kind of stuff. But like, really, I think what it is, like, you're right, if you can detach it, and then sometimes like, you'll talk to a friend about it. And like you said, you're like, you know, you'll talk to people and you're like, oh, like when I say it out loud, maybe it's actually fine. <laughs> right. And I think you know? saying it out loud is important or writing it down or whatever, because it yeah. kind of puts it out. It puts you above the problem because you're in yeah. the problem right now. You're thinking about all the issues. But if you can like lift up and look down on yourself and look at yeah. actually what's going on, you might go, oh, it's not really that bad. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. I had a situation where I was, um, I was, I was in a funk I called my husband. I vented. It was yeah. a 20 minute drive. I vented for five, 10 minutes. Right. By the time I walked in the door, I looked at him and I went, I'm fine now. Yeah. I feel better. <laughs> I'm fine. I was like, I just needed to say what I said. And then I needed to think about it and process yeah. it the next 10 minutes. And I, and literally haven't talked about it. Like I'm perfectly fine. You yeah. know, so it's like, but in the past that would have pulled me down for weeks, if not months. Right. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So instead of, so shit still happens, but you yeah. learn the tools and you can teach your kids the tools. And it's like, yeah. And I think like when you were saying that, it's like kind of comes back to what is universally true is that it's not about perfection. It's about just trying and, and just like, you know, cutting it short or coming back a little faster or doing a little better or improving your habits. Like nobody needs to be perfect. I used to think that the ultimate goal was to like, like, I remember when Mason started getting a little bit older, I was like, how do you raise kids with zero childhood trauma? Like, that was like, I literally right. Googled, I literally Googled, like, how do you avoid childhood trauma at a period? And I was like, you know, 
like I'm not with him every second of the day. So obviously like I, you know what I mean? Like I can't. Um, and also I think what, what I realized it's more important, which kind of comes back to what we were just saying is raising kids who are resilient and have the tools to deal with stuff and, you know, not putting our shit onto them. That's, that, exactly. that's my goal. At least yep. I'm not a parenting expert, but yeah. What was it? I posted this recently or somebody else I reposted, shared, whatever. Um, it was the goal isn't to make your kid's life easier. It's to teach them how to cope with life. And I love that. Yes. Cause I mean, yes. I was traumatized I watching quite a few Disney movies. So yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> On top of the real or, trauma. <laughs> or when mean kids at school don't like your lunchbox and stuff. You know exactly. what I mean? Like there's always things that are going to like, that are going to be hard. And it's just, yeah, learning how to like deal with it. So for anyone listening, just start being aware. Start being aware of the way that you think about money. Start being aware of the things that you say about money. You know, if find a way to make it feel comfortable. Sometimes when you first start out, it doesn't feel super comfortable. Um, but again, something as simple as instead of saying we can't afford it, just saying, you know, it's not a priority right now. You're not blocking it completely out of your life. You're just postponing it. And that's okay. Um, you could do that with a lot of things, not just money, by the way. But yeah. Um, yeah. Jody, thank you. I love this conversation as always. It's always <laughs> fun to chat with you. This was awesome. Um, and if you have any, if you're listening and you have any other topics that you would love for me to dive into, please, please, please reach out. Um, I love talking about this shit and I like you listening. So <laughs> just DM me at Missy Jane. <laughs> Once again, thank you for listening to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners more than you know. If you like what you hear, please screenshot this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me, Misty Jane, and the podcast at Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. You can even take it a step further and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk with you on the next one.